Hey friends, this is Cody from That I May See podcast. We're with uh, Miriam Boone, and and this week our episode is on the book of Job. We're we're trying to stir each other up to see wonderful things in the book of Job, and, and just kind of as preparation as we head into this episode. Just remember uh, a couple things. Job is about deep suffering. Uh, Job deals with trauma. Job deals with pain. Job deals with empathy. Those are very important elements and categories and, and ideas to think about as we enter into the book of Job. Uh, we live in a world that is increasingly becoming disenchanted with uh, what the Bible can do for us. Can the Bible really address our suffering? Does God really care about our suffering? And to many people's surprise, uh, the Bible talks about this actually quite often, and I think it talks about it most uh, potently in Job. And so uh, me and Miriam are really excited to present to you uh, our new episode. I know it's been a long time, so thank you for being patient with us and, and staying with us. Uh, but my, my prayer is that when you think about the book of Job, you would think about God's heart and his movement, his constant movement towards sufferers. So, yeah, enjoy our episode. Miriam. Hey, how are you doing today? Good. How are you doing? I am doing great. I'm excited what have you been up to? to talk. Oh gosh, what have I been up to? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I got to uh, go last night and watch some of my friends who are playing in a social adult flag football league. <laughs> oh it man, amazing. it was amazing. It was it was truly incredible. I was a little shocked when I got there because the field was like tiny. I guess I just assumed they were playing on an actual football field. Um, and they were just like, there's no way we could run up and down an actual football field. I was like, true, true. But <laughs> That's um, uh, yeah, but it, it was a lot of fun to watch. Um, yeah. Good so you guys just had your anniversary at the church. Yeah. One year. Oh, one year. Amazing. Yeah, it was uh, it was dope. We had um, we had Jamar Tizzi, Dr. Jamar Tizzi, come and speak. That was awesome. Um, what did he say? Yeah. And so he. All, I'm I'm so curious. Yeah. So the basic premise of his uh, sermon was so he called it a new wineskins church. So you know, and Jesus says, mm-hmm. "Hey, you can't can't put fresh wine skins or you can't put fresh wine into old wine skins. Mm-hmm. Um, and he basically was like, you know, that's often what we're trying to do uh, when it comes to justice or when it just comes to um, obedience to the Lord. You know, it's like, we're trying, like, it's like, we want to have our cake and eat it too. And so when it comes to justice, it's like, yo, you need new wine skins and new wine. And, and, Trying to put fresh wine into old wineskins, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I I love that. I, I recently heard a song that I think is probably just new to me, but um, that's about like how it talks about the new wineskins and how um, with the new wine, there's new power. Mm-hmm. And I just, I love that because 
I think so often we we want to hold on to these old ways of doing things and these old structures mm -hmm. and what's familiar to us. Mm -hmm. And we don't mm -hmm. realize that it's actually holding us back from being like right. allowing the, the adventure of the kingdom of God to truly mm -hmm. unfold in our lives. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so I was like, man, that was such a good message for us. And just a good reminder. Yeah. And then we got to celebrate Mike and Christina um, and Kemeny was there. That was really cool. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, just a lot of cool people were there and just a lot of fun and a lot of celebration. We had two services and uh, a lot of people shut up and it was it was a really good day in the kingdom of God. That's what I kept on thinking about mm. as the day went on. I was just like, man, this is amazing because, you know, like um, a lot of people that came, you know, they work in predominantly white spaces uh, in evangelicalism. And so for them to come to a church that is doing justice and is distributing power equity equitably and uh and is diverse and yeah it's uh, obviously we're not perfect but they were just like right like like jamar tizzy was like i can't believe this place exists <laughs> you know and i was wow. like man i can't believe it exists. what a gift to get to be a part of that and i and to, yeah. to have helped create it you know like yeah. i want to you know give you props along with that whole team there for really leaning into the work of creating a place like that because it did not just happen you know like yeah. I know you guys have put a lot of prayer and thoughtfulness and research and just the day-to-day -day mm -hmm. grind of making that happen mm -hmm. yeah I mean it, you know it's it's definitely there's a lot of hard work definitely the Lord for sure because mm -hmm. um, obviously this would not be a place where people felt the Holy Spirit without the Holy Spirit being here Right. So, um, you know, but but one thing, my encouragement, though, to like people who are trying, it's like, to be honest, though, if you just, uh, this is what I tell Micah all the time, because there are people that will come to Koinonia and um, they'll come for the places and they're like, there's, you know, I've never been treated this well at a church. And I'm like, man, that's really sad. Because if you like, I tell Micah, like, if you just treat people right. Right. And, and you advocate for them and, and you hold them accountable. And like, there are very basic things that if you just practice these basic things, like your church will never be perfect, not even close, but like right. you know, have a healthy church. And mm. it's really sad that there are a lot of churches out there um, that like th that are struggling and they would be healthy if they just practiced empathy and humility and uh, mm. there were, and there were no power hierarchies. It's like, that's one of the things I love about, our team is like, no one has an ego. Like Micah's the pastor, but like, just because he says something doesn't mean it goes. And, and he, right. he, uh, you know, he says that all the time. He's like, look, I want to be in an environment where people can tell me no. Right. And right. the sad truth is in America, not a lot of churches are, are like that. And, and, um, and so, yeah, just humility. And, you know, you know, I'll add this too. You were saying the Holy spirit being there. And then I know we'll get into Job cause that's coming. Mm -hmm. Um, but <laughs> I think that people often forget that it's the fruits of the spirit that evidence the spirit. That's behavior. right. You know, we That's tend right. to think about these, you know, if I, if I was to say to you, what would it look like for your church to be full of the spirit and like yeah. everyone in your church to have the power of the spirit on them? I think a lot of times we might think, oh, we'd be staying up all night praying. We'd be out doing this. <laughs> right. 
speaking and and that's not to say those are bad things that may be right. outworkings of the spirit but to to what the scripture says the spirit looks like is mm. gentleness self-control that's right, that's right. Goodness, kindness you know that's all right. of those things that's that's how we know the spirit's here that's so right. i just think when you know for people to come and to say i felt so loved here what they're saying is like the spirit of god is in this place that's so, exactly that's, right and I and beautiful. i love that passage you referenced because paul says those who belong to christ jesus have crucified the flesh right mm. with its passion desires and i think that's why so many churches like there's so many scandals and so much spiritual abuse happening and so just all these crazy things is because like uh, America has discipled us into this kind of like radical self-centeredness that you mm-hmm. see in kind of like both political ideologies, right? Like as well, this is my body, I do with it what I want. The right says, well, this is my property. I do with it what I want. And and mm-hmm. the Bible says, no, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. our body's not our own. And, uh, you know, I, I just think there's so much leadership out there that is not constantly crucifying the flesh with his passions and desires. And, and I think what happens when you're not willing to do that is ego creeps in, pride, power, control, fear, mm-hmm. all those things. I mean, um, you know, you could call that the, the bad fruit of the world. Right. And right. Um, the Lord's just good. I mean, the Lord's just blessed us. I mean, I don't, I don't, I, like I said before, I don't think we're doing anything like any radical, you know? Right. Um, but just yeah. love. That's the word. That's right. That's yeah. right. Let's get into okay. Job. So, yeah. Wow. This Mary, is, this will is you a good of, one. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, will you kind of open us up into kind of like how we should read the book of Job, like how we should look at it? And then um, I just want to hear some of your kind of initial thoughts. Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, hmm, there's, there's a lot you could say here. I'll, I'll say this. When I read the book of Job as a kid um, and, and just growing up and even in my early Mm twenties, it just did not make a ton of sense to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I reread this um, a couple weeks ago, just sit down and read the whole thing. And in, I think two Mm -hmm. cities and after a year where I have, experienced just a lot of suffering around me mm-hmm. and this book resonated with me so deeply coming from that place mm-hmm. and I think it's a reminder that we the scripture is so much of the scripture is written with the with the understanding that like its primary audience is the people of God who are oppressed it's written to people who are sufferers. And so you can't make sense of a book like this very well from a position of power, of comfort, of privilege. And so I, I almost think the first step to reading the book of Job is to get around people who know what it is to have their life broken. Mm. Wow. Um, so uh, yeah, what I mean, what would you add to that? Yeah, so, so, so a kind of historical I, background of how to read this. 
Yeah. So, you know, Job, you know, uh, scholars believe this is the first book probably written in scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the well, things scholars, even that oh, is so noteworthy because it just says the story of the Bible has always been a story that's about suffering and exactly, exactly. Like the very first characters that like are technically mm-hmm. recorded in scripture is one that suffers. And what that says something about God, right? Mm-hmm. Like one of the things Job is going to do is it's going to talk about suffering on every, every line of the, the, in the book. Yeah. And there's not like a, the type of resolution that you think there should be, hmm. but the resolution does not come. And this is very important for sufferers. The resolution does not come until the cross. Right. And, you know, because the cross tells us that, that though Job is suffering himself will suffer as well. Hmm. Um, and, and that's what you need. You know, one of the, one of the things that Job does is it Job I think Job really d- demonstrates like human beings are primary relational beings. Mm. What Job does not need is just an answer. Right. And I think that's a misconception right. we all think. Like, man, if God would just tell me why suffering exists and and I'll, I'll kind of give you an illustration. Like when I was 16 years old, I got into a car accident with my best friend, Devante, and it was my fault. Mm. And um, the, my best friend, Devante, he's in the hospital for like a month and he was in a coma for two weeks wow and i remember um after the accident happened i mean it, it was just is it's traumatizing uh, absolutely to even think about sometimes but you know I, I see his mom kind of outside the door and uh you know in that moment i realized she doesn't need to know exactly what happened mm-hmm eventually you know like and right. i told her but what she needed more than anything was people to be around her right and i think that's what job is telling us that like more than just an answer we need presence mm-hmm. um we need not just human okay. presence with the presence of god and 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 you'll see that towards the end of the book. Right. um one of the things job does too is i love job has these stupid friends right <laughs> um who, you know, Miriam, they remind me so much of a lot of Christians today. <laughs> they remind us just like no empathy, um, bad theology, bad, bad theological takes inserted into a, a situation that is just filled with grief. Um, and one of the things, you know, to kind of summarize Job, you know, God kind of, um, you know, Job is a, is a wealthy man and and uh, he has a lot of children. He has a lot of wealth. You know, life's going really well for him. And he's an upright man. He's like a wealthy man who, who loves the Lord. And, um, you know, Satan approaches God one day. And he's like, hey, like, God, he would not be faithful to you if, if you didn't, you hadn't blessed him so much. And God, and God is so confident in Job's faithfulness that God says, okay, I will kind of remove this hedge of protection from Job. And, and you can do anything you want to him. Just don't kill him. And, mm. and, and so, you know, Job's uh, children dies, it, you know, his, his money is gone. All these things are taken away from him. And, and mm-hmm. uh, he's just sitting there wrestling with confusion. Like, God, I thought that if I did the right things, these things would not happen to me. 
Yeah, because I mean, we all, I think at, at, at the deep down, we all sort of believe the prosperity gospel that if we That's do right. good, we get good. And right. this just turns that on its head because the first thing we find out about Job is that he turns away from evil. And yet that does not mean that evil does not find him. And Mm -hmm. that is like, that is life in a broken world. Like Mm -hmm. there is no shelter from bad stuff happening to you. There's a, an awesome book by Kate Bowler called no cure for being human. Mm. (laughs) And it's just, even the title says it like there's, there's no cure for being human. Like to be human in this world is to suffer. It is to experience pain. And there's so many lines that I just think, you know, if you read this from a place of grief or a place Mm -hmm. of suffering, so many things are just going to resonate with you. Like he says, when I lie down, I think, when will I get up? But the evening Mm -hmm. drags on endlessly and I toss and turn until dawn. Or Mm -hmm. um, this this part, uh, chapter 10, he says, says to God, your hands shaped and formed me. Will you now turn and destroy me? And this is like so much of what I think for believers is really hard about suffering is knowing that God is sovereign Mm -hmm. so that you are like, you're trying to make sense of God having power and yet not using that power to protect you from suffering. Mm -hmm. Um, He says about God, God doesn't let me catch my breath. Mm. Like what a, I mean, sometimes we, you were saying this earlier about, you know, how Christian as Christians, sometimes we can be like, sometimes we want to shut down people who are talking about suffering. The Bible actually like allows Job's like words to be written down and recorded so that Mm -hmm. we can read them and know like, this is the human experience. Like, Mm -hmm. um, absolutely. Yeah. He says, um, he says he feels like my, he says, my spirit is broken. Mm. Um, my days have slipped by. My plans have been ruined. Even the things dear to my heart. And mm. there's just so much here. Um, he, he has this, this, this part in, in chapter six, where he says, what strength do I have that I should continue to hope? Mm. Um, and then there's this, you were talking about his friends. He says in, in verse 14 of chapter six, a despairing man should receive loyalty from his friends. Um, And this is like, this is like the worst part of it is that in these moments of just utter suffering, the people Mm -hmm. that should have been there for him aren't. And I, I remember telling, telling a friend about, some stuff that had happened that was really sad and um, some, some of, some of these situations that had unfolded and he commented, he said, man, I thought they were with us. Mm. And it was like, whoa, like I wasn't even telling the story that way as though it was Mm -hmm. like us versus them type of thing. But it was like, he put words to that feeling of like, Oh yeah. Like it kind of feels like, like, I thought you were with me. Like you can see Job saying that to his, his friends. Like, I I thought you were with me. So it's a, it's a sense of betrayal. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a feeling 
of that sense of betrayal. And, you know, like one of the things that, you know, I love in chapter nine mm. in, in the book of Job, one of the things he says, you know, he says, if someone wanted to take God to court, mm-hmm. would it be possible to answer him even once in a thousand times? And one of the things you see in Job is Job, because of Job's suffering, it causes him to think things about God that are not true. Mm. So one of the things Job says is like, man, like would, would God, would, would a judge, would, a, would God as judge, would he even meet with me? Hmm. Like would he even take up my case? And, and what he's doing is, is Job is expressing what often victims express when they've been done wrong in the criminal justice system, right? If someone's right. innocent or something, you know, has gone wrong in the criminal justice system that is not the fault of, of the victim, um, well, you know, what, what you often hear them say is like, man, that, that judge won't even hear my case. Right. You know, like that they won't they won't meet with me. And, and what I love about this is God proves Job wrong at the end because God does meet with him. Hmm. Is, is yes. God as the judge and meet with him. And, and sometimes we think God we, when we think about God as judge, we think about, you know, OK, judge pronounces judgment. But a judge, if he's a righteous judge, is also supposed to pronounce mercy. Right. And and that's what you see God do in these scenarios. And uh, I just would Job. Job, Oh, good. That's so good. I just I love what you brought out there, because I think, you know, you said in those places of suffering, we can start to believe things that aren't true about God. And I think we have to realize that our feelings are information. Our feelings mm-hmm. and our emotions like give us information about our body, about how we're responding, about our own history. But mm-hmm. our emotions and our feelings aren't the same thing as truth. And that's exactly right. We have to go back to like who God is in Christ is the mm-hmm. truth. And that's, right. that's the that's the home, that's the home base. And so my feelings, I have to kind of look at them and say, then notice them. And say like, wow, I feel really, I feel this way. Like I feel abandoned. And that's That's information that tells me about how I'm doing, about how my body is responding to what's happening, about how hard what's going on is. But only Jesus can tell me the truth about God. That's exactly right. And I have to go back to that. Yeah. You know, one of the things I've been, uh, you know, I'm, you know, lately I've been walking with a lot of different people through suffering at our church. Mm. And one of the things I've, the Lord has been teaching me, but that I've, I've kind of been, I've tried, I've been trying to encourage them is that trauma and pain often are liars. Mm. Absolutely. Sometimes they tell the truth too. Don't get me wrong. But what what happens with trauma and pain and suffering is it begins to, color the way we think about groups of people right mm-hmm. so um you know if you are a minority uh racial minority in america and you have been you've experienced racism it, it is very easy to think man all white people are just yeah i'm done with it <laughs> right mm-hmm. but you know when when you're uh, uh i think you know sometimes um i've heard i've heard women express this who have been hurt by men like men men are just dogs right Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard the same thing from uh, people who are very poor and, and the ways in which they talk about the wealthy of like, man, well, you know, they don't care about us. And, 
And, and I think the, all those things are nuanced, but I, I think those examples are ways in which trauma and pain lie to us about each other. And mm. I think that's Absolutely. what's happening in Job is like Job's right. suffering is lying to him about God. And we have, that's why like, we have to be very careful about building our theology and what we believe in the midst of trauma. That's actually probably one of the worst places to build your theology or, or, or mm. what you believe about God. Um, right, right. Because you'll begin to believe things that are not true. Hmm, that's so good. That's so good. So, okay. So to, to kind of um, move to this section where God shows up, I, I think it's so interesting um, how, and I, I really want to get your thoughts on this. Um, mm-hmm. when the Lord finally shows up at the end here mm-hmm. and speaks, what do you, he talks so much about creation mm-hmm. and like self as the maker. Mm-hmm. Why do you think God shows up and asks Job all these questions? And is like, do you know who I am, basically? And it's so focused on creation. Why do you think mm-hmm. that is? Oh man, that's a that's a good question. You know, I, I think I think what God is trying to actually. So I think we kind of misinterpret these questions, right? Mm-hmm. We we've kind of looked at them and thought, okay, God is trying to put Job in his place, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's what's going on. I think I think God is, uh, I think God is intentionally overwhelming Job with questions that to to in the with without answers that he does not know to show Job that there is so much you don't know and that's actually okay. Mm-hmm. And and we live in a society that is obsessed with knowing. We we live in a society that is obsessed with certainty. If if we can't be certain of something. We will either not believe it or we will not follow it or trust it in any way. Hmm. And, and God, I think, is actually trying to get Job more comfortable with ignorance. Hmm. That's so now, good. As far, as far as the creation aspect, I think the reason he brings that up is because, you know, Job, there's so much about creation Job does not know. And like, I, one of the things God does that I love is God is always trying to get us to ask the questions that we should have been asking. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. all the scenarios, like in Job's life, like he, it's okay for him to ask the questions he asks. He's asking, but God's like, man, you're not even asking the right questions. Right, right. You know, what, like what do you, you're, what do you saying, you're saying, you know, God's saying, like, you need to be asking, who is God? <laughs> like, that's right. That's right. I, I love that. I, I'm kind of thinking now, like, I, there's this focus on creation. And I think that it really paints God in a a more true way than trauma does because Mm. trauma, like the way that, that Job has been describing God is as a destroyer. Yes. I was just thinking that you just, that was just in my mind. And God is saying, no, I'm a creator. Like I, I, I generate newness and hope and imagination and all these things that trauma tries to steal away from us. And one thing I was thinking too, and I, I have no idea if this is right, right. So I'll just say it on mm-hmm. a podcast. Um, That's right. But, um, 
there's this whole chapter that's devoted to talking about Leviathan. And mm. it's so interesting because it's like, he's like a monster, you know, basically. Mm -hmm. Like, almost, like, pretty scary. Um, mm -hmm. does, does not a person collapse at the very sight of him? <laughs> and mm. it's like, why does God spend so much time talking about that? And I, I had this thought when I was reading it. I was like, Job, God is saying to Job, think of the most terrifying reality in the world and know that it doesn't scare me. Mm. Like I made yeah. it. And I, I just think there's mm. comfort there in recognizing that the most terrifying monster that we can imagine is not terrifying to God. That's right. And that God is, I think, paving the way here for saying, like, don't you see how committed I am to creation? Mm -hmm. And that opens the door for us to imagine, surely new creation is coming. And mm -hmm. we get a little glimpse of it at the end of the book. And I think it's worth noting because there's this, you know, this restoration that happens for Job of his, you know, possessions being restored and he has more children. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think in some ways it's a little bit hard to read that because you're kind of like, is this supposed to be like a replacement? Like, I mean, he still misses <laughs> the other kids. Right. Um, you can replace sheep, but you can't replace children. Right. But I think the point here is that there is this vision of like, of new creation, of hope after suffering. Um, mm -hmm. And one thing that's just kind of a small thing, but it just was so beautiful to me, is it highlights at the end of chapter 42 that mm -hmm. Job's three daughters, it says their father granted them an inheritance with their brothers. And I just love that because you have this little glimmer of new creation. And mm -hmm. here in new creation, like things are actually better than they were mm. before. Like there is mm. equity and this vision of, of hope and newness. And I think we have to hold on to that, that the world God is bringing is better than the one we're losing. And that's right. It, going to be good for everyone um not sure. just for a few there won't just be rich job there will be all of us flourishing in the new creation and so i love mm. that god kind of gives that little window into that at the end of the book oh um, absolutely yeah what, what else, well, i was just gonna say what else for you i know we probably need to wrap up soon but what else for you is just really precious in this book Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I kind of, yeah. So the, the kind of the things about creation, you know, um, mm -hmm. you asked, you know, about like, why does God kind of like refer back to creation and out of all things? Yeah. And one of the things you notice uh, when God is describing creation is, is he describes it in really beautiful ways. Mm, absolutely. And I think what God is trying to get Job to see is that there is still beauty in this world hmm. in, in the midst of darkness, in the midst of our suffering. Wow, you know, what our that. trauma and suffering tells us is like, there's nothing good. Yeah. You know, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing worth hoping in. And God hmm. just gives him 
a thousand different things of like, hey, this is a display of my beauty. This is a display of, of your beauty and that that still exists. And that is, that is such a needed word for sufferers. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I just, I love that. I, I think of when we are suffering, we really do need to go outside. <laughs> like mm-hmm. when you're experiencing oh, yeah. trauma, like just to, to go outside and to see like what the Lord is doing in the world. Like we had a, um, we have out in front of our community center, we planted a bunch of flowers, a bunch mm-hmm. of zinnias. And it seemed like kind of a silly thing to do, but I just thought people need to see like that there's beauty and that God is making beautiful things still. And the other day, this woman was out front and stopped and talked to one of our staff. And she said, Hey, I just want to let you guys know that my husband died a few months ago. Mm. And these flowers are the reason I'm still alive. She said, I come all the time. I look at them. I take care of them. I come here and grieve. Mm. And she just wanted to, you know, thank us for having these flowers. And it's just crazy. Like you think like, what in the world? Like how would, mm-hmm. you know, with no, nobody, none of us planting the seeds that day had any thought that it would right. have that kind of impact on someone. But in our moments of like gr- trauma, like to see like God is making something beautiful and there's still this like hope and light and beauty and newness in the world. Mm. It's just so, so good. And it's so, yeah. I love that you brought that out. Um, yeah, yeah, God, I mean, yeah, it's, there's a reason God's creation is healing, you know, to us. And, mm-hmm. and I, I remember when I was still on staff there that one hope with you and, and, you know, when I remember one of the things that you were like adamant about when they were, um, renovating the building is like, we need windows, you know, <laughs> yeah. like we need, and you, I remember you had a very specific reason. You're like, Hey, not only does research show this, but we believe that God made creation for people to see. And so mm-hmm. when there's no natural lighting, um, it, it does not promote flourishing for, for children. Right. And, and just yeah. how healing natural light and being able to see trees outside. And like you said, see the garden, mm-hmm outside right. like like we, we were created in a garden yes <laughs> you know yes. we were created in a very beautiful place and so yes. as as broken as human beings are there's still something in us that responds to any heals when we interact with with god's right. creation right so. absolutely it reminds so, me of a there's a mary oliver poem where she says when despair grows in me and I wake in the night at the least sound in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be, I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water and the great heron mm-hmm. beads. And she talks about like, I go into the peace of the wild things. And I just mm-hmm. think that when we, when we feel that anxiousness of trauma and that sense that of chaos and that everything is being undone, and falling apart. Cause that's, I mean, that's what suffering is. It's like uncreation, like relationships like that have been birthed and formed break or people that have been born die or um, places that should be safe and sheltering and home fall mm-hmm. apart. And so when we do that, we do need to lean into the idea of God as a good maker and mm-hmm. um, find like in 
in him that like hope for making all things new. And we see that so mm -hmm. clearly in Jesus as he comes, he's constantly creating and bringing newness and bringing these little glimpses of new creation. And um, it's like what Paul says, like, go look at the world, go look at Christ. That's how you know what God is like. Amen. That was a good word. So, so Miriam, before we go, what is like, what is kind of like uh, a last encouragement from this book that you would want our, our audience to kind of leave with? Hmm. Man, I think that there's this question that God asked to Job. He says, where is the road to the home of light? Do you know where the darkness lives? And um, I think that Job thinks he knows the darkness, but God is saying to him, like, I know the way I know where the light is stored. So don't, mm -hmm. don't think that you're stranded in the darkness forever. Like, remember that your maker literally stores the light and wow. Um, and he, Job says over and over in the book, like, oh, God won't even listen to my complaints. I just want to talk to him and mm -hmm. God shows up and he doesn't, he doesn't have a, a trial. He doesn't, he isn't mm -hmm. put on trial, but he shows up and he says like, I want you to know something about who I am, because if mm -hmm. you know who I am, you'll be okay. That's right. The character of God. That's yeah. what, yeah. That's what, what about Job you? Is trying to figure out. Yeah, I'd probably say something along those same lines is that, I, you know, uh, I think what it's so important for people to know the character of God for those times in which we suffer because that is what will keep us going and that is what will comfort us. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think there are, I think during COVID was a prime example that when a lot of people started suffering, they started mm -hmm. acting in ways that that were destructive, and it, and it, I think it was because they they did not know the character of God, mm -hmm. um, who who He really is. That's that really is the rock on which like we can like lean on when mm -hmm. we have no ability to move mm -hmm. um, or function normally. You know, absolutely so good. Well, it was great to talk to you. I look forward to our yeah. next conversation. Yeah, we're going to the Psalms. All right, let's do it. Right. <laughs> Bye, friend. Bye-bye.